you've been paying any attention at all to what's going around in the world, you probably have noticed that the problem of deception in our world has become so pervasive that it's a wonder really that anybody believes anyone or anything anymore. People all over the world are now asking the same question that Pontius Pilate asked Jesus at the time that Jesus was betrayed. And that question is, what is truth? <clears throat> this was Pilate's response to Jesus's own statement that he should bear witness to the truth. And Jesus also said, everyone who is of the truth, here's my voice. That's in John 18, 37 through 38, if you wanna check that out in the Gospel of John in the New Testament. Maybe this explains why so many people were duped by these pseudoscientists who lied to us throughout the COVID pandemic. So let's ask the question, what exactly does it mean to be of the truth? Well, that's a very simple answer. It means that you accept the truth and that you partake of the truth, live according to the truth, and always speak the truth. Today, I want to do something a little different than what I normally do, and that is I want to focus on one word, and the word is miracle. The truth is miracles really don't happen any longer. Now, some of you are surely going to call me a heretic today, saying that um, I'm, I'm off my rocker because I made such a statement. But I'm asking you today to take a closer look at what we mean when we use the word miracle, because that can actually color your world in bizarre ways and can actually lead to deception. And I want to explain that fully today. This is Unity Without Compromise. I'm Dr. Steve LaTulip, your host, and it is always a pleasure to speak with my audience. I hope that you are interested in seeking the truth, and I hope that you do intend to be of the truth, because that is very, very important in such a critical time in our own American history. Now, some of you might be wondering, why in the world would I devote an entire radio show to just one word, miracle? <clears throat> well, the answer is this. I want you to understand the truth, even if the truth is unpopular, as it often is, let's face it. But if you seek to be of the truth, then you have to come to terms with the fact that a popular teaching is not necessarily a correct teaching. And that is most certainly the case with the topic of miracles. So I just want to make a little disclaimer here. Many of you are likely to feel maybe a little angry if you think that miracles still happen in our modern world. And you might be offended at what I have to say today, but you might also want to listen, because even though you might think that I am trying in some way to dishonor God, and you feel a righteous indignation that incites you to come to God's rescue here today, well, think again. But if that's the way you feel, let me just be honest, I admire you. 
I wish there were millions more like you who wanted to actually defend the honor of God. Because if that's the kind of a person you are, then that means you ought to be a pretty good patriot, an American patriot. And it is people like you who are going to save this nation. So I commend you for those strong feelings that you have. But we must always keep in mind, as we are told, even in the Bible, that people can be sincere, but also sincerely wrong. And we don't want that to happen to anyone. And so, before you condemn me, I would ask that you fully hear me out, because I, too, feel a righteous indignation when people so easily distort the message of God's precious word in the Bible. After all, the Bible is the world's only true standard of truth, and it was the standard that swayed and influenced the founding fathers of this nation to write the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. We must never forget that. And like you, I am going to be judged by God also. As a teacher of God's word, as a preacher, I am going to be judged more strictly according to the scriptures. That's in uh, chapter three of James, verse one. And let me tell you, I take that warning very, very seriously. So I am not quick to deceive. I am not quick to introduce error in my teaching. It is so important to be accurate and to understand God and his word, and you cannot separate the two. So pretty much everything that I say today about miracles can actually be found in chapter nine of my book, which is titled Unity Without Compromise, A Biblical Basis for Christian Union. Now, I wrote that book simply because what we see in America is an ever-increasing division among the churches. The churches that claim to worship Jesus Christ We have one Lord, we have one faith, one baptism, one bread, one Father above us all, and we have one Bible, the Word of God. I was so frustrated in my travels in the military as I would go and visit these different churches that there was so much division, there was so uh, so much variation, and sometimes wild variation, in what took place during the time of a Christian worship when when Christians came together to meet, as we are told to do on a regular basis, so that we can have fellowship, so that we can break bread, so that we can pray together, and so that we can study and learn the Word of God. Now, that's really important, and that is what made America. We must never be deceived about that. America was a great nation because America was a good nation. And it was a good nation because it was a Christian nation. That's why we became great. But when I wrote my book, I discussed in chapter nine the word miracle extensively, not to make anyone angry or certainly not to create division, but just the opposite, to strengthen us and to unify us. Because if we can be unified in the truth and all be of the same mind as we are called to be as fellow Christians, then we are going to be an extremely powerful 
and reliable source to bring truth to the world, to bring it into the job site, to bring it into politics, to bring it into every social situation so that the world can simply be a better place. And for that reason, I ask today that you please hear me out before you click me off. You might be surprised at what you hear, and you might want to know that many Christians really do understand this principle, and if you do, I commend you for it, and so today we'll be reinforcing to you. And the reason that I focus on the one-word miracle is because if we can accurately define and understand words, then we are much less apt to be deceived. And for that reason, I want to evaluate miracles today in our propaganda world and ask ourselves, have we been deceived? Because don't kid yourself, you can be deceived by words that come from a pulpit. And in fact, it happens every single day and much, much more so as America is shriveling, collapsing, because we have rejected God and his truths. Everywhere you look, you see churches that are giving in to the perversion of the LGBTQT movement. We see churches that are compromising and yielding in every way to the enemy, even when the enemy told the churches to close down their doors, they obeyed the great majority of them. And those who refused to obey because there were so few of them, they were heavily persecuted. Now, that is an indictment against the Christian church in America. And we have to get strong. We have to stand on that foundation, which is called the rock, the strength of the rock, the strength of our earth beneath our feet is the Bible. And if we err in our interpretation of what the Bible says, then we'll never get it right. We will never know God. We will never know how to please God since we don't know what he is truly telling us to do. So that's the incentive. That's the motive of my program today. Now, as I alluded to moments ago, Deception is a very huge problem in our world, but it does not mean that you have to be a victim of the lies and all the propaganda. You simply have to be wise and be able to evaluate it. Now, many times we are fooled or misguided because of our own shortcomings. We don't listen actively, or maybe we don't investigate a proposition of an argument well enough to really understand what the issues are so that we can make an educated decision. So this is kind of going to be an exercise of discipline in trying to discern truth. And so I'm really glad you're here with me today, and I hope you will enjoy uh, this little exercise. And remember, if we can recognize our own shortcomings, and yes, we all have them. I am certainly no perfect human being. I have a wife I married. She reminds me all the time. And I thank God for her because it's so easy for us to be blinded by our own weaknesses. So let's uh, kind of get at it. And if we do have shortcomings, let's just be open to correcting them. And if we can sort through the real 
misinformation and draw logical conclusions about things, whether they are true or not specifically, then imagine how empowered we will become and, and, and unified as a force for truth, because that's where the battle is. This is a battle that we are facing now between good and evil. And good always does prevail. But when evil gets a foothold, everybody, everybody on both sides, on all sides, suffers. Confusion is a very adequate goal for the propagandists, because if they can raise doubt in your mind, then confusion alone can destroy us. Because when we are confused, we do not act appropriately and according to the situation we throw our hands up and say, huh, I give up. I don't know. Just tell me what to do. And so we are led to the slaughterhouse. And I don't want that to happen. We live in an awesome country. We live in a country that was given to us by God and blessed. Well, how blessed we were by God. So today I want to challenge you to see the power of words and maybe just carry you a little bit further so that you will not be deceived when they tell you that another pandemic is coming. And when they instruct you to lock down, shut down, close your businesses, don't visit your family, don't visit the sick, just shut your life down and die, maybe, just maybe you will not comply because you were able to discern the truth. Now, most people think that we understand a word simply by defining it. And this is not true. It is actually not true. In order to actually fully, I mean, completely understand a word, the meaning of a word, well, yes, or any message, we must first not only understand the definition of a word, but we also need to understand the purpose of the word. We'll take, for example, the word toilet paper. Now, I could describe toilet paper. It is a white fibrous substance made of what? Cotton, uh, wood pulp paper, and, and it is formed into a very thin sheet with serrations so that it can be torn roughly in four to five inch uh, segments and it is rolled up on a cardboard spool, if you will. Okay, that's the definition of toilet paper, but what's its purpose? What is it used for? Because the definition is inadequate if you don't understand what is toilet paper supposed to be used for. So without knowing both the definition and the purpose, then we are doomed to misunderstand a message because we fail to properly interpret the words. And this applies to any words. So you can see the application in just about everything. Take, take, for example, the common word baseball. I could define baseball for you very simply, or I could get a little more te technical. Baseball is a game, right? Go a little further. Baseball is a ball game. Baseball is a game consisting of nine players on each of two teams whose goal is to win by scoring runs by hitting the ball and running around four bases. Ooh, I'm getting a little bit more complex. 
in my definition. But why has baseball been so associated with American life? You know the song, take me out to the ball game. We love baseball as Americans, at least historically, at least until they started bending a knee in protest, right? Well, okay, I've given you the definition of baseball, but what is its purpose? Well, I grew up in Rhode Island, and in the heat of summer, in July and August, we were playing softball, and sometimes we had three, four games a day. We were ready to drop by the end of it, but we had so much fun. And so one purpose of baseball is simply to have fun. But it's also to compete and competition is good. It is something the left has taken away from everybody because they don't want you to compete because competition causes the better of us in any given area to be elevated to the top so that we can go on and do bigger and better things. So competition is a good thing. And certainly competition is a part of baseball. That's another purpose of baseball. And Baseball has another purpose, and that is to teach the importance of teamwork. For professionals, baseball has another purpose, and that is to make money. For other reasons, baseball has been pushed even by our government. Remember that it is greatly government subsidized. A lot of the professional sports are subsidized because Baseball and football and basketball, these sports have another purpose, and that is to distract us from things that our government is doing. And so without understanding the purpose of baseball, you really cannot understand baseball, can you? And it is the same thing with the word vaccine, the same thing with the word miracle. Now, miracle is a tough one. It is, it is very emotional. Miracle is an emotional word. When I challenged some of you and said, miracles do not happen in modern day life, you were immediately threatened. Some of you were immediately angry with me. Because you have to understand not only the definition of miracle, but the purpose of a miracle. And to begin with, To get us on the right footing, I have to state something that is so readily obvious. I mean, stating the obvious cannot get more, uh, more profound than what I will say, and that is that words have meaning. And meaning derives, remember, from a word's definition and purpose. So there's the foundation from which we launch. Now, when you learn how to understand words and not abuse them, then Propaganda becomes an extremely weak force in the enemy's hand. And so I'll ask you to take this principle and teach it to as many other people as you can. Understand the fact that words have meaning and the meaning derives from definition and purpose. Okay, I think I've driven that point home. So let's get to it. My goal is that we all learn to become critical thinkers. So let's apply this principle to the word miracle. Now, you've heard me say on this show hundreds of times, perhaps, that the Bible is our flawless standard. As a Christian nation, the Bible is our one true standard. 
that teaches us about the nature of God, about how we ought to live, and also about our eternal destiny. It should pique an interest in every one of us. But this standard, however you regard it, this standard can be easily compromised in the hands of the enemy, and I assure you it has. The enemy can use it just in the same way that Satan used scripture and biblical principles to, to lie to people. And so we have been warned, in fact, by God himself about this. Jesus said that false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. That's in Matthew 24, verse 24. Is it possible that Christians can be deceived? Well, of course it is. Otherwise, why would we be given the warning? Many Christians already have been deceived, and many are being deceived every single day. And the reason is because we fail to understand or accept Bible teaching. Do you believe that God is okay with sexual immorality and perversion? Do you stand with the LGBTQIA plus agenda? If you do, then you are deceived, period. That's just the way it is because the Bible makes it very clear that this is unacceptable behavior and unacceptable lifestyle. It is a perversion of God's design for a man and a woman. And that's how he created us in the beginning, male and female. There's just no getting around that. No matter what you say or do, how you chop, dice, cut uh, the human body and, uh, you know, try to drive it in a different direction with hormones, you will fail because you are either male or female and born that way you were. Does God approve murdering children in the womb? Are you pro-choice? Do you think that abortion is okay? Or how about outside of the womb? Because infanticide is happening and children are being killed, brought into slavery, used up, used up in the most vile, vulgar ways. And then when their usefulness ends, they are dispatched. They are destroyed. Do you approve of all this stuff? If you do, you are deceived. Do you really think that you can earn your way to heaven? Oh, really? Is there a need for a purgatory so you can pay the price for your own sins? Let me tell you, you are deceived. That is blasphemy. The blood of Jesus Christ saves us from our sins, nothing more, nothing less. And that act of redemption was performed 2,000 years ago, roughly. So no, you cannot earn your way to heaven. And if you think you can, you are involved in a cult. You are not teaching or following Christian doctrine. You enter heaven according to God's plan to save us. We enter that narrow gate in Matthew 7. We are told about that by doing things God's way and not ours. We don't want to, at the end of our life, be singing that song, I did it my way because that is likely a damning way. And we have to accept that. And we have to realize that if we fail to do things God's way, then we fail for all eternity. It has eternal consequences. So what about miracles? Well, did God perform miracles? He most certainly did. Does he still perform miracles today? 
No, you've already heard me say it. He does not. Could he if he wanted to? Yes, he could if he wanted to. But let me ask you this. Are present-day miracles necessary for your faith? That's what you're going to have to decide, because that is the bias that you are contending with. That is the baggage you are carrying. If you think that miracles are necessary for your faith, then guess what? You are deceived. So decide that today, but let your decision be based on solid biblical truth, not on the manipulation of the sacred text. That is propaganda. And if you are pushing propaganda, you are siding with the enemy. Jesus said very plainly, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather together with me scatters abroad. So let's not be deceived. Okay, so let's do this right. Let's start at the beginning. Let us define a miracle. Well, a miracle is defined as an event or effect contrary to the established constitution and course of things. Or we could define a miracle as a deviation from the known laws of nature. In other words, a miracle is a supernatural event or an event that is transcending the ordinary laws by which the universe is governed. And remember, God set into motion the physical laws of the universe. So this is the strict definition of the word miracle. In other words, a miracle is an unequivocal manifestation of divine intervention that disrupts the outcome of what would happen under the natural laws of physics. Hmm. So a miracle is a willful, God-caused, supernatural phenomenon. Things happen that would not have happened if the ordinary events of everyday life were to take place. God intervenes. That is a miracle. Now, some of you right now are thinking, okay, yeah, yeah. I, well, I've seen miracles. I, I know that I've had a miracle. Okay, well, maybe or maybe not. Let's sort it out and let's remember. The definition is only half of the meaning of miracle. You have to understand the purpose. And this is important to understand whether or not miracles occur in modern-day times. I'll explore that purpose of miracles after a short pause. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, 
not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. I am back. This is Dr. Steve Latulip on Unity Without Compromise. This show does air at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, and then it goes to podcast. You can access all of some great podcasts and great articles by me and other excellent authorities of subjects that pertain to the current trauma that we are experiencing in America. If you go to AmericaOutloud.news, you can access all of those articles, all of those great recordings of pertinent topics and a whole lot of truth where you'll get all of the, the story without the bias, without the censorship. And let me tell you, we are determined to expose the evil and to boldly declare the truth to you. And please remember that there is another show that airs at 8 p.m. Eastern time on the week 
days, and that is Malcolm at Eight, the voice of a nation. I have been assisting with the production and co-hosting this program, and it is a great show to keep you up to date on all of the pertinent news. The important thing is that you do not believe a lie and please do not believe everything you hear. You need to test all things, but base that on a biblical standard. That is the test. And you need to rightly divide God's word. And for that reason, I did write a book called Unity Without Compromise, a biblical basis for Christian union. And today I'm discussing uh, a very pertinent subject that is written in my book uh, specifically to address the issue of whether or not miracles exist. And it depends on how you understand not only the definition of a miracle, but the purpose of a miracle. And that's exactly what I've been discussing today. My topic is evaluating miracles in a propaganda world. So I have defined a miracle And a miracle is simply a direct divine intervention where God reaches out his hand and alters events in the natural physical world so that something is changed. It happened, for example, in the Old Testament when God caused the sun to stand still. And it happened many, many other times when people were raised from the dead, people were healed from their ailments, and a lot of great things happened with miracles. A lot of people were healed. Well, a miracle is a great thing, but it's a great thing because of a specific purpose, and that purpose is what we we must explore to understand whether or not miracles happen today, and of course, we need to understand the words of scripture so that we are not deceived. With that, I will say that the purpose of a miracle, and this is the clincher, is something that we need to understand so that we do not abuse the word, so that we do not distort scripture. Every single miracle performed in the Bible had an explicit purpose. And the purpose was this, to authenticate the message of the messenger. If authentication or proof that a message comes from God is not required, then a miracle does not happen in the Bible. Now, I want you to test that. Go through, and as you're reading the Bible, Notice what happens when miracles are performed. And I'll use a great example for you right now so that you can understand this principle of the purpose of miracles. Now, you recall that when God commissioned Moses to tell the Egyptian Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go free from slavery in Egypt, Moses was anything but eager to accommodate God. And he gave God all kinds of excuses. Look, God, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm not your man for this job. I can't do it. I'm too weak. I, I just can't, I just don't have what it takes. And so God said, all right, all right, Moses, I'll give you your brother, Aaron, but 
But Moses, when he said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to me, listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. That's in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. We'll take a look at what happens next. God then instructed Moses. He says, when Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, show a miracle for yourselves. In other words, authenticate yourself. Prove to me that this is from God. Then you shall say to Aaron, your brother, take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. Exodus chapter 7, verse 9. Now, that would be a miracle, and that is exactly what happened. And this statement reveals the purpose of miracles. A miracle is, has an intent of proving as a sign, a miraculous sign, a wonder, an incredible event that does not happen in the natural world. It is a sign of God's authority, and the purpose is to convince the hearers that the message is from God and is true. Now, a secondary purpose of miracles is simply to expose the sincerity of men's hearts. Because many people saw the miracles, and they still refused to believe the message of the messenger. That included many of the Jews. It included many Pharisees. Some saw no miracles, however, and they believed anyway. For example, when God sent Jonah to Nineveh, the Ninevites were an evil people. I mean, they were despicable. They did horrible, horrible, bad things to people. And when Noah went to preach to the Ninevites, which he was not eager to do because they were so evil, the Ninevites repented. And the Bible does not say anything about Jonah performing any miracles. So miracles are not essential to believe a message, but they are authentication for the doubters. So what was the result when Moses went to Pharaoh? Well, the Egyptians were ev eventually convinced. There were 10 miraculous plagues that were levied against them. And by the time the 10th plague came upon Egypt, and they were all miraculous plagues, the Egyptians paid the Jews, the Israelites, to leave their country. Please go here, take some gold, take all of our precious gems, get out of here because we believe you. God wants you to go and we'll help you. And we read, thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. This is the Israelites. And so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. See, the miracles even persuaded some of the doubting Israelites because they weren't too keen on Moses hauling him out of there because they were afraid that they would be destroyed by Pharaoh's army. And it was the parting of the Red Sea that saved the Israelites and destroyed Pharaoh's army. So we see that every miracle ever performed 
anywhere in the Bible, wherever you read it, it had a similar purpose. And that was to proclaim God's truth and to convince doubters and unbelievers of God's power. His power and his authority over all people and all things. Now, we observe this same pattern where a miracle is performed, people see it, and they believe. So the miracle, see, believe, cycle is repeated throughout all of Scripture. And we want to look for that pattern as we scrutinize miraculous events that are recorded throughout the entire Bible, because I want to really persuade you that the purpose of a miracle must be fulfilled. It must be there in order for a miracle to take place. In other words, a miracle's benefit was not primarily to physically heal the blessed recipient of a miracle, if it was so. Even a faithful recipient, no one was healed or saved without the explicit purpose of being a proof that the message from the messenger is true and from God. The Bible mentions John the Baptist. He was called the greatest of all prophets in Luke chapter 7, verse 28. John the Baptist never performed a miracle, by the way, but he was called the greatest of all prophets, and he was a cousin of Jesus himself. And what happened to John the Baptist? He was beheaded. Hmm. Why couldn't God have spared him, saved his life, performed a miracle so that they would not behead him? Because there was no purpose of authentication with John the Baptist. And so even Jesus himself did not perform a miracle without having the prerequisite purpose. Ten of the apostles, ten of the twelve apostles were martyred. Judas Iscariot, remember, committed suicide after he betrayed Jesus. John, the apostle, was the longest living of all the apostles and the only one who was reported to be to have suffered a normal death, to have died by natural means. All the others were martyred. I wonder if they were looking for a miracle that they might be healed. Now let's get into the real nitty gritty here. You remember uh, a man named Trophimus. He was a very trusted and loyal friend to the apostle Paul, and he assisted Paul on one of Paul's missionary journeys but the Apostle Paul said that he left Trophimus sick in Miletus. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. So you can read it yourself. Now, why in the world would Paul have a loyal friend, a, a companion, someone that helped him and stood by his side right there, and then Trophimus gets sick, and Paul says, I left him behind because he was sick. Does that make any sense? Why didn't Paul perform a miracle and heal Trophimus? After all, Paul performed a lot of miracles. He healed a lot of people who were sick. He raised the dead, but he could not heal Trophimus. 
And the reason is very simple, because Trophimus already believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He already understood the message of salvation. He did not need any convincing. And because of that, Paul could not perform a miracle to heal Trophimus. It happened again to Epaphroditus in Philippi. Epaphroditus was another good companion of the Apostle Paul. In fact, Paul calls him my brother, fellow worker, my fellow soldier. That's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. And Epaphroditus was, quote, sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, Philippians 2, verse 27. You see, with Epaphroditus, if healing was to come at all, it would be through answered prayer, not a miracle, because the purpose criteria was not there. And because Epaphroditus did not need a sign to authenticate the message that Paul was bringing to the world, no miracle was performed. Paul also describes Timothy as being kind of weak and frail, and Paul affectionately calls Timothy a true son in the faith. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. But Timothy had an ailment, and he was not miraculously healed by Paul. Now, why couldn't Paul have healed Timothy's ailment? You can read about it. What advice did Paul give to Timothy? He said, no longer drink water only, Timothy, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. Timothy needed no affirmation of a message from God, and therefore no miracle would be performed to heal him. Look at the apostle Paul himself. Paul suffered a thorn in the flesh, and he asked God for miraculous healing three times. And all three times, God said no. Now, when God says no to your prayer, that could be for your good and mine. Sometimes we don't know all things, right? And it can actually be a blessing to us when God says no. The Apostle Paul regarded his physical affliction, he describes it as, quote, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure, end quote. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul was given visions of the afterlife. He was in communion with Jesus Christ for three years, which was a requirement of all the apostles. But Paul was an apostle out of season, if you will, because he was not with the original 12. But Jesus supported his negation of Paul's prayer by reminding Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul didn't whine. He didn't moan. He didn't accuse his master of being really cruel and, and thoughtless. He didn't try to manipulate God. He simply yielded to his suffering. And he said, therefore, because God said no, 
I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. If miraculous healings were denied to the pillars of the faith, like a few that I've described here, then we ought to be asking the question, why? And think of the meaning and the purpose of miracles, because there's your answer. Jesus himself asked his father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Luke chapter 22, verses, verse 42. Now, we're also told that miracles will cease. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, there is a word in the Greek, the koine, that describes, quote, the perfect. And the perfect must be defined properly. And it is an area of contention among some Christians, but the perfect is a reference to the completed word of God. And we are told that miracles will cease when the perfect has come. Now, most people just reading that would say, oh, that, the perfect must be when we're in heaven. No, no, no. The word perfect in the Greek means complete, means all filled up. And the perfect was when we had a full canon of the Bible. And when we had the full authoritative word of God, then we have everything we need and the purpose of authentication ceases. But let's get back to our modern world, shall we? Because in the modern language, the definition miracle is profoundly misused and abused by attributing many natural events to being a miracle. The misuse is generally caused by hyperbole, which is an exaggeration for the sake of evidence, uh, of emphasis, excuse me, such as uh, the miracle of a birth. Oh, it was the most beautiful, amazing thing. It's just a miracle. The miracle of birth is a common term that we use, but that's a bunch of nonsense. God said in the beginning when he created us, be fruitful and multiply. There's nothing miraculous in that. God set those natural laws in order so that we would reproduce. And that happens every day in the animal kingdom and in the plant kingdom. It's not a miracle as much as you might like to think so. The soldier not being killed in battle. He might say, oh, how, how I was able to make it back home in one piece is a miracle. They were dying all around me, but God saved me. It was a miracle. No, it wasn't. It just meant that no bullet's trajectory intersected that of your head or your body. And for that reason, you came back alive. Surviving a severe, a severe car crash is another one that a lot of people use say it was a miracle I wasn't killed. Can you imagine going through an intersection where you get clipped, spun around, roll the car, you were injured, but you weren't killed? Oh, it was a miracle. God saved me. Now, that sounds pretty silly, because if God was going to perform a miracle, why wouldn't he levitate your car over the intersection 
and then lower it on the other side so you wouldn't have even been hit. Okay, that would have been a miracle, and everybody would have seen it, and it would have happened instantaneously. But maybe if you had prayed, maybe God caused you to decide you're thirsty, and you wanted to pull off the side of the road so that you were not at that intersection at the time that somebody was going to run a red light. And maybe it was answered prayer that allowed you to not even be hit by a car. See, answered prayer is something that is very real, and it is something that God very much does in the present day. Well, all such claims are deeply heartfelt, but completely erroneous, and that we have to realize. Birthing is a very natural event, and many, many good soldiers who prayed for safety didn't come home alive and breathing. They came home in a box or they didn't come home at all. And if you tell me that you have been the recipient of a miracle, how do I test your claim? Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, we are commanded to test all things and hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Am I supposed to just believe you because you say it's a miracle? No. That would be very unwise, setting myself up to be deceived. I mean, how many, how many supplements, how many over-the-counter medications or, or pills we can we get or, or whatever it is, and, oh, it's a miracle. It's miraculous. Um, think again. Think again. So we need to realize that words have meaning. And, yes, I am stating the obvious words have a definition and a purpose and we would do well to pay heed to that because why would miracles cease because we no longer need authentication the bible canon is complete we have all that we need in the completed written word or text of the bible all we need now is sound interpretation and a sincere heart that follows the rules of human language and seeks god's will the confirmatory work already has been done. We read that in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction, uh, for reproof, uh, instruction and in righteousness, so that the man of God is complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is done. And that's why miracles don't happen today. But yes, God does still answer prayer, but there's no way you can prove it. There is no way anyone can authenticate it. If you believe God has answered your prayer, he may very well have, but nobody can test it and nobody can prove it. And so let's remember that a popular teaching is not necessarily a correct teaching. They once believed the world was flat and everybody taught it. And then we found out it was round. They used to do bloodletting, put leeches on your skin, suck your blood out, and they thought you'd get better. It was a lie. It was false teaching. They've told us recently that messenger RNA shots are safe and effective. And look what's happened. People are dying everywhere. Following the crowd usually isn't wise, and it often leads to death, as many are now discovering. But good people, the truth will make 
you free. And that's why we must discern truth by understanding that words have meaning and the meaning is found in the definition and the purpose of every word. Please do not be deceived and be an ambassador of truth. You've been listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve Latulo. Thank you so much for joining me today. Adieu.